Welcome to DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name's Nikki Fairbairn. Uh, I'm a partner in the real estate team here at DACB. This is the latest edition of our Property Headaches podcasts. Uh, today we're talking about the Building Safety Act. Uh, now, this is the most significant piece of legislation to have affected the building environment in, in decades. And I'm joined today by Fiona Gill, who's a partner in our building safety team of lawyers. She's been tracking the legislation looking at its implementation, advising clients and and dealing with a lot of the emerging claims coming out of it. Now, Fiona, experts are saying that this is literally the biggest shakeup of regulations in building safety around the country for over 40 years. What what buildings and and which businesses are going to be affected by it? Oh, thanks, Nikki. Um, And I guess um, there's a a common um, misconception, I guess, that the uh, Act is just going to apply to high-rise buildings, um, but if it, it will eventually affect um, all buildings, and it's going to affect three broad areas, and that's the design and construction of new builds and residential conversions, uh, also the management of safety in residential blocks once they're occupied, uh, and then remedying historic defects which could make residential buildings unsafe. So, you know, as you said in your intro, it is a significant impact and change um, to the built environment. So while there are parts of the Act that will apply to all buildings, uh, for example, in relation to construction materials used or the competence of those involved in design and construction, most of the focus has been on the measures that will apply to higher risk buildings. Now, what are they? Um, The Act defines higher risk buildings as buildings that are either 18 metres high or have at least seven storeys and contain at least two residential units. Uh, So the key is they must contain at least two residential units. Uh, So this will bring, obviously, um, resi blocks plus mixed-use developments into the new regime, as long as they meet the height criteria. Uh, It's worth noting also that purpose-built student accommodation blocks of the specified height will also be included. So... It is quite a significant change, which is um, causing quite a lot of concern uh, in the market. And and so owners are obviously going to be interested in this, but we're not just talking about owners. What about um, organisations that that manage these higher risk buildings? What what are they going to have to be thinking about? Yeah, absolutely. So once a higher risk building has been completed and is occupied, the focus of the new act shifts to monitoring and managing risks from the spread of fire or structural failure. So it's about building safety and also fire safety. Uh, and the responsibility for this uh, lies with a new um, duty holder, if you like, who's called the accountable person or persons. So there can be more than one accountable person. So the accountable person is generally the person who controls or the organisation who controls or is obliged to repair the common parts of the building, the structure or the exterior, so likely to be the long-term building owner. Uh, And the accountable person can be an individual, a partnership or a company. uh, And when there's more than one accountable person, uh, they'll have a duty to cooperate with each other. So it is quite a new um, system or structure for managing buildings and occupation. And, and there are going to be specific duties on these accountable people, aren't there? So I, I guess things like information that needs to be provided to the regulator. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Act is just the Act. And within the Act, there's provision for regulation. So there are new um, regs which relate to accountable persons. They're called the higher risk buildings, key information, key building information regs. And they came into force on the 6th of April of this year. So this is really new stuff. 
Um, these regs specify the information the accountable person must provide to the regulator, which is the building safety regulator, in relation to higher risk buildings. And they also set out which parts of a higher risk building an accountable person is responsible for, whether a multiple accountable person. So um, you, you'll see there's quite a bit of shaking down to be done in terms of this, in, in this new system, um, possibly to establish who is the principal accountable person when it's more than one accountable person. So, you know, I repeat, it's a new role, a new duty holder, um, and really clients are going to have, take some time to get acquainted with this. And, and you mentioned one element of that was around the information that um, the principal accountable person has to provide. What, what sort of, tell us a bit more about that. What sort of information are they going to be looking out for? Yeah, well, so, you know, thinking that really the genesis of this, in, of this legislation, rather, is about building safety and fire safety. Um, the key building information will include details of the material used in the external walls uh, and the insulation, the roof and the structure of the building. Uh, and also a description of the type of evacuation strategy in place for the higher risk building and a list of the fire and smoke control equipment within the building and their locations. Um, so a lot of this is about high risk buildings, fire. Um, and of course, this legislation um, was you know, part of the government's response uh, to the Grenfell Tower disaster. Um, so this information, the information I'm speaking of, the external wall information, and the other information must be provided to the regulator within 28 days of submitting an application to register that higher risk building. So there are two stages, one applying to register the building and two then providing the information. Um, using that information, the key building information it's called, the accountable person, principal accountable person is required to prepare a safety case report. So this is the next stage, which is a document summarizing the safety case for the building. So that's got to identify the building's major fire and structural hazards, set out how the principal accountable person is managing and controlling these risks. And it should also demonstrate that the principal accountable person has taken all reasonable steps to prevent any building safety incidents and the measures taken to reduce the severity of any incidents if they occur. So this is all new and certainly didn't um, uh, wasn't uh, you know, a feature of any legislation before this act. Um, now, you may have heard of the phrase, Nikki, the golden thread. So the requirements around maintaining the key building information and the safety case report are key aspects of what's known as the golden thread principle, which is an important part of the building safety reform. And the golden thread is uh, really defined as the information that allows you to understand the building and the steps needed to keep both the building and the people safe now and in the future. So it's something that should come through from the start of planning a new building, thinking about a new building, that's in scope, um, right through to the build and the handing over at the occupation phase. So everybody in that process understands exactly what's needed to keep the building and the people safe. Um, so all of this uh, new duty, if you like, is backed up by the possibility of criminal sanctions. So if the accountable person is in breach of these obligations, uh, they may be prosecuted by the building safety regulator. And the building safety regulator is something that will sit within the health and safety executive. So, you know, those familiar with health and health and safety type duties, um, the building safety duties are very similar to those. Yeah, thanks, Fiona. And one of the points you mentioned there, obviously, is, is this legislation is coming out of the Grenfell incident. You mentioned fire safety clearly. And, and am I right in thinking there's been some changes to the legislation around that as well? What's gone on in that area? Yes. 
Yes, there have been some very significant changes around fire safety regs, um, and they came into force on the 23rd of January of this year. Uh, and these regulations impose specific obligations on the responsible person, which is the terminology used in terms of fire safety, in relation to fire safety. Uh, and they're, outlined, they're similar to the duties outlined in the Building Safety Act. So in this context, and remember in the context of building safety, we were talking about the accountable person. For fire safety, we're talking about the responsible person, but they're one and the same, generally the owner of the building or um, the employer if the building is used for business, if that makes sense. And, and so what what does this responsible person have to do? I mean, is it, is it similar requirements? So what's required, again, will vary according to the height of the building. Um, but there are some obligations which apply to all buildings, regardless of height, which contain two or more resi units with common parts uh, which are used for emergency evacuation. And this will require the responsible person to display fire safety instructions, including the evacuation strategy for the building, clear instructions on how to report a fire, and any other instructions for residents in the event of a fire. Uh, They also need to provide information about fire doors, in particular to keep them shut when they're not in use, not to tamper with any self-closing devices, and to report any faults or damage immediately. Um, And the information must be provided to all new residents and to all residents every 12 months. But in respect to this fire safety uh, change, the most stringent obligations apply to high-rise residential buildings. And this will include a requirement to prepare a record of the design of the external walls of the building, prepare a floor plan and a building plan, identifying the key features of the building, and to provide a copy of that to the local fire and rescue authority so they have that information if they're called to a fire. Um, The uh, responsibility is also to carry out monthly safety checks of fire lifts to make sure they're operating and any firefighting equipment within the building and to rectify any faults and keep a record of those checks accessible to the building residents. Uh, And also to ensure the building contains wayfinding signage, which is to identify each floor within stairways and lift lift lobbies and to identify each flat so it's clear if there's an evacuation how it's going to be done. Um, but as these regs are now in force, building owners should be checking that they are compliant with them. And there's a lot of things to do there uh, and a lot of responsibility that goes with it. So so who, who enforces it? Who makes sure that's being done? Well, on the fire safety side, uh, the regs will be monitored and enforced by the local fire and rescue authority. Um, they have the power to carry out fire safety inspections and to enforce compliance with the regulations and they can issue fire safety notices, they can prosecute uh, in severe cases where there's a breach of the um, fire safety legislation. But it's very important really for landlords to comply with the regs uh, and in order to do so, to carry out a comprehensive fire risk assessment of their properties uh, to make sure that they are up to date in accordance with these new requirements. Also to install and maintain appropriate fire safety systems and equipment and provide their tenants with clear information. But it's important to note that these new regs are in addition to the fire checks already required under the O legislation, which is the Regulatory Reform Fire Safety Order of 2005. And that identifies the meaning of, uh, defines rather the meaning of a responsible person and contains further duties uh, in relation to fire safety. So that's a really important piece of legislation that this latest 
uh, set of regs is adding to. And, and, and so having an understanding of what has to be done, quite often the next question is, by when do I have to have done it all? So, so talk us through some of the key dates that we might need to have on the radar. Yeah, so that, that's that's a good question because we know you know the Building Safety Act is in force, but not all parts of it are in force, and some parts are going to depend on regulations coming into force. Um, but I think kind of certainly important dates on the twelfth of April of this year, registration opened for existing high-rise residential buildings. Um, so for all those um, responsible for such buildings, they must register, and the deadline for doing so is the thirtieth of September. So that's a work in progress. Um, a failure by a principal accountable person to register their building by that date, 30th September, will constitute a criminal offence if the building is occupied but not registered. Um, there is a defence of reasonable excuse, but um, this legislation has had quite a lot of publicity and I think all those with buildings in scope will be looking to register by that September deadline. Uh, the next key date then will be the 1st of October when registration opens for new high-rise residential buildings and buildings completed from the 1st of October onwards must be registered before the building can be occupied by any tenant. So in addition on the 1st of October we think uh, we'll see the following come into force. So those amendments I spoke about the uh, fire safety legislation. Um, The building safety regulator will become the building control body for higher risk buildings So where you might have had um, a number of bodies responsible for building control, there will now be a single body for higher risk buildings only. Um, There are also going to be changes in relation to building inspectors and building control approvers. There'll be um, a new system of registration for them, and that's designed to improve quality and scrutiny, I guess. Um, And then you'll be aware of gateways two and three in terms of planning, and they're expected to come into force by the 1st of October. Uh, There's also going to be new regulations on the golden thread on the safety case. There'll be a new framework for construction products. There'll be regulations on occurrence reporting and the building safety levy is already is also expected to come into force. So I appreciate, Nikki, that's a very long list. But, you know, as I said, this is, a, as you said, rather in your intro, this is a very significant piece of legislation. There are lots of moving parts um, and uh, there is still some uncertainty about when those parts are going to come into full effect. But those are the dates we have at the moment. No, thank you for outlining all of that, Fiona. And thank you because... I can imagine there may be a number of people out there who will have questions coming out of, uh, thank you, this podcast, but but generally the building safety regime currently, and and obviously your details are available on uh, the DAC Beechcroft website. So it's just for me, thank you, Fiona, to say, um, for all of your time today talking us through Building Safety Act. Um, I can only guess how many building safety matters you're dealing with at the minute, so I really appreciate you taking the time to to catch up, Fiona. Um, That's just, a pleasure. It leaves me to say thank you very much for everybody listening. Uh, If anyone else is interested in hearing more of our uh, Lawcast episodes, particularly on the property headaches topics, uh, please do head over to uh, www.dacbeachcroft.com forward slash Lawcast. Thank you again to Fiona. Thank you to all involved and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Thanks. Bye bye.